What's going on, Renaissance family? This is Jordan, one of the pastors here. Hey, you guys are going to really want to make sure you stick around throughout the entire service because we have a huge announcement at the end of service today that you're going to be really glad you stuck around to hear. It's really exciting, and we hope you guys don't miss it. Uh, let me pray for us before we get into the sermon today. Father, we are in unusual times, and we need to hear from you for clarity, for encouragement, for strength. Um, and Lord, we just pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive whatever it is you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are in uh, unusual times, and given that we are in unusual times, I was thinking that I don't want to just give you guys a, a usual sermon. I think today that despite how much fear is going on around us, rightfully so, um, that this is also a huge opportunity for us. Now, why do I say opportunity? I say it's an opportunity because never really before in my life, and for many of you it's the same way, never before have you been able to match and to slow down your pace to such an extent that you can connect with God. This past summer, I took a sabbatical, and uh, while I was on sabbatical away from work, one of the things that I did was I took a silent retreat in Massachusetts, and it was an interesting time to say the very least. Uh, I was surrounded by a bunch of people, and we didn't talk. We would come together for prayer. Uh, we would go to service to hear scripture read. And one day, we sat down and we talked to a priest and he taught us a lesson that has stuck with me since. The lesson was the presence of God and the present moment. Now, this past week, I was speaking to my therapist, and she mentioned actually the same phrase, and it really got me thinking about how do you and I experience the presence of God in this very present moment? That social distance does not mean divine absence. So how do you and I experience God's presence in this moment of time? Now, the thing about the present moment is this. This is all we have. We don't have the past. Everything that has ever happened will remain in the past forevermore. We can't predict the future. We don't know the future. Only God knows what's ahead of us. And all we truly have is right now. So there's a couple of questions that I want you guys paying attention to um, to help us to uncover what might God be saying to you in these moments. How might God be meeting you uh, in these moments and uh, three questions, they are, what is bringing you joy is the number one question. What is something that is bringing you joy right now? Now, in order for us to really navigate this next couple of weeks or months or however long it takes, we first need to pay attention to what it is that's feeding our souls. Uh, contrary to popular opinion, God is interested in more than just you memorizing scriptures. God is interested in us uh, entirely, holistically, and that includes our mental, spiritual, and emotional health and one of the ways we really do this is we pay attention to uh, what is bringing us joy. What are the things that we can do that bring us joy? Number two, what are some of our biggest challenges? What are, what are the things that are really grieving you right now? Now, it does us no good to suppress those things, to pretend like they don't exist, like they don't matter, uh, to pay attention to what are the difficult moments in your life so that we can unearth them because God meets us in our joys and in our sorrows. The third question is the biggest one for today. It is, what is God teaching you? What is God teaching you right now? Like I said, this is an opportunity in front of us that we get to hear from God and to connect to God in ways that we may not have been able to before. For some of us, it's in our prayer lives. 
Uh, for me, uh, one of my friends said this quote, and, and it hit me right in the middle of my chest. He said, when things are good, we talk about God. When things are bad, we talk to God. Uh, in these moments, we have opportunities to connect to God in ways that we might not have done previously. So this question of what is God teaching us is a big one uh, because it's, it's essentially asking how might God be meeting you in this present moment? Now, Christian theology teaches something called the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which is essentially that God himself lives inside of everyone who has placed their faith in him. It's so profound that Jesus makes a comment in John 16 and 7. He's talking to his followers and he says this, It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he's about to be crucified, and he's telling them, it's better for you that I socially distance myself and go to the cross and go back to my Father, that I would send to you God's presence to live inside of you. Jesus is basically saying that the Spirit of God inside of you is better than Jesus next to you. Now think about that as we are in this time where we don't have physical proximity uh, of people, of loved ones, of uh, fellow people in our church, of pastors, of leaders. Jesus is saying something about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is sufficient, is enough, is God himself, not a watered-down version of God, but it's God himself, and this God himself wants to meet with you, not in the past, not in the future, but in this present moment. One of the things I hope today does is um, I hope it's a springboard into a bigger conversation that we are having as an entire community of, this, of these three things. What's bringing you joy? What are some of your challenges? And what is God teaching you in this moment? It's not just about what God is teaching me or another pastor or someone, someone else online. What is God teaching you? How does God want to connect to you? Maybe in a time of social distancing, uh, this will be the time that you would come closer to God in ways that you never could have before. So God has been teaching me a couple of things, and this list is by no means exhaustive of all the things I've been thinking about and uh, praying over. Uh, but ultimately, um, here's a couple of things that have been uh, really hitting me in, in my chest. Number one is that God meets us in really uneventful moments. If you look at the history of the Bible, uh, when you see God coming to people and meeting with people, it really wasn't always in these super heroic and amazing times. There's a scripture in the book of 1 Kings where God uh, is coming to a man named Elijah, and Elijah was a prophet. In that time, prophets were people that God met with and spoke to, and then they would speak to the people. And as God was talking to, getting ready to talk to Elijah, he says in 1 Kings um, 19 and 11, it says, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Now, for me, my life is usually too chaotic to be able to slow down enough to be able to hear God's still small voice. And for you, your life might be so hectic, uh, your life might have been so busy 
uh, with so many meetings and so many social engagements that you didn't have time or you didn't feel like you had time to hear from God. But God wants to teach you some stuff and God wants to meet you. So here's some other stuff that I've been learning and thinking about. And this one is uh, uh, right on time for uh, this pandemic that we're going through. And it's that the invisible controls the visible. Things that are invisible control what is visible. The things that we can't see matter sometimes more than the things that we can see. Uh, In the late 1800s, doctors and scientists believed in something called spontaneous generation. Now, spontaneous generation was the idea in the 1800s that whenever there was a disease, it just spontaneously generated and popped up. That if someone got sick, there was no scientific reason for it. Sometimes they believed it was God's judgment, but they believed that diseases just kind of happened. Now, years later, this guy named Louis Pasteur comes along, and he came along with something called the germ theory. And he started telling the scientific community that, no, you got it all wrong. There's not just this spontaneous generation. There is this invisible world that's impacting everything about our visible world. And there are these things that we can't see, which are germs, and they get on stuff. They fly through the air, and they change everything that we do see. And that sickness is related to what we can't see. Now, these doctors in this medical community said, you're telling us that there's something that we can't see, something that flies through the air and lands on a person's skin, that there's this invisible world that we're all surrounded by, living organisms that impact what we can see, to which Louis Pasteur says, Absolutely. Now, Louis Pasteur was a guy who invented uh, pasteurization for milk, and he is somebody that we owe a great deal of gratitude to and how uh, he has discovered things scientifically. But more important than his scientific discoveries is what he is pointing to and what we can see now in the age of the coronavirus and what I've been thinking about. None of us, maybe if you're a scientist, you've seen it, has seen under the microscope what the coronavirus looks like but it's impacting everything about our world. None of us can see it, but it's powerful. None of us have been able to identify like what it looks like, but it's impacting everything about us, our financial world, our physical world, our relational world. Everything now is being tossed up in the air because of something that we can't see. Now, the Bible says that there is another invisible world that is extremely powerful, that there's another invisible world that is powerful and controls what we don't see, what we do see. It's a spiritual world that is alive. And many times, whenever we talk about how living and alive the spiritual world is, we kind of get bored and we roll our eyes. Now, all throughout the Bible, there are scriptures that talk about how powerful this invisible spiritual world is. And in moments like this, you know what God is teaching me? He's saying, Jordan, don't pay attention to what you can perceive. What you can perceive is very limited. Pay attention to the things that go beyond what you can see because there's an invisible world that controls what is visible. A couple of scriptures that have been, uh, I've been thinking about this week. The uh, first one is in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. It says, Paul is speaking, he says, Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, 
but what is unseen is eternal. Scripture is saying that right now, as people all across the world are turning their eyes to Scripture, that God is producing something inside of us. The things that Jesus promises us, the thing that Scripture promises us about the process by which God gives us life and and matures us and grows us, these are all invisible things, and I don't want you discounting them as if they are not powerful. The invisible world that we can't see is very powerful, and we see this now in times of pandemic probably better than other times. Now, on the negative side, we're also warned about the spiritual forces against us. Paul was talking to his, uh, in the church in Ephesus in Greece, and he says, finally, bro- uh, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on a full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Here's what he says. For our struggle, your struggle, is not with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Your problem is not with Keisha. Your problem is not with your boss. Your problem is not with someone in the church. Your problem is, the, what Paul is saying is that there are evil, invisible forces at work, and you cannot see them, but they're powerful. And what I want us to do with that this week is, uh, I don't want us, I want us to be a little bit more humble in how we are approaching uh, our, our spiritual lives by being more curious about what it is that might be going on, um, by, by not needing immediate affirmation in what we do. So in my prayer life, uh, I, maybe you've done this before, I've struggled to believe, to really fully believe and internalize that God heard my prayers. Why is that? Because there is no feedback in prayer. Jesus, when he was teaching about prayer, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who go out in the market and they wear these big robes and they do it just for a a scene. When you pray, I want you to go back to your prayer closet and what God sees, sees you do in private, he will reward you openly. Essentially, what Jesus was saying is your prayer time should be something done in seclusion and something that you will get absolutely no uh, physical feedback from. There will be nothing that will tell you other than believing by faith that God hears you. In our prayer lives, in, in my prayer life, it's good for me to remember how much the spiritual world is alive. And even the stuff that I can't see, it's powerful and it's active. Another thing that, I've been, that the Lord has been teaching me this last couple of weeks is that we are just very dependent people. I don't know if you think about this yourself, but just we are extremely dependent people. I went to the grocery store the other night, and up until like last week, I was mocking everybody who was doing panic shopping. I was like, it's not that serious. There's a good su- uh, supply of food. You don't need 7,000 rolls of toilet tissue. And I was sitting in my house feeling pretty comfortable. And the other night, I went to the grocery store, and that joint was empty. And I was like, all right, now it's time to get serious. And I kept on thinking, if I'm going to be locked down, I'm definitely not going to be locked down without snacks. So the next morning, I woke up super early to get to the grocery store, and I jammed my uh, shopping cart up with snacks and some other essentials, I guess. Um, And while I was in the grocery store, I just realized, like, how dependent I was on so many different people so that I can, like, eat. Jesus tells us in Scripture that we're, we're equally dependent on God and on other people. But in moments like this, I can feel my dependence on him uh, even more. 
and more. In Psalm 23, um, this is a good psalm to recite if, while you're washing your hands to make sure you're getting your 20 seconds. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, we are sheep and we need a shepherd. Sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for everything. In this first verse, in the first two verses, uh, the, the, the psalmist is basically saying, I have what I need only because I have a shepherd. And for some of us in this moment, we need to repent and to turn away from our self-sufficiency. And let me be perfectly honest. If there is a sin that Jordan Rice struggles with the most, it's self-sufficiency. It's trusting myself to be able to figure things out and to do things. And in moments like this, I, I come to the point where I say, Lord, I'm dependent on you. I can't figure out what to do, what to, go, what to do to go forward, and I need you. And that's the healthiest place to be. Another scripture in John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces fruit because you can do nothing without me. Listen to those words. You can do nothing without me. Let this time of isolation and social distancing uh, remind you how dependent you are on him. And the reason I was saying this is an opportunity for us is because to really realize your dependence on Jesus, I think it could really catapult your spiritual life in ways that were not possible before when everything was right in front of you and you couldn't realize your true dependence uh, on him. Jesus tells us that man does not li live by bread alone in Matthew 4. And in the same way that I don't, don't want you waiting until there's nothing left in the house to eat, I don't want you waiting until your feelings tell you to read scripture to read scripture. Right? You should never wait until there's nothing in the, cabinet, in the um, cabinets before you go shopping. And I also don't want you to wait um, until you feel like you have to pray or you have to read in order to read your Bible or to, or to pray. God wants to meet with us, and a lot of that comes and happens when we realize how dependent we are on him. Now, a couple of ways I want you to do that. Number one, uh, on our YouTube channel, we have a How to Read the Bible class for people who are newer to engaging Scripture uh, and it gives you practical tools how to read the Bible, and it makes it less intimidating. Number two, uh, as a community, I want us to learn from the dude in ult ultimate uh, isolation and social distancing, uh, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippian church. Uh, he writes this letter to the Philippians while in prison, um, and I think there's so much for us to learn about how to develop and find joy and satisfaction and peace in times where we are not in the ideal situation. Now, we're not just dependent on God, but we're, I'm also realizing how dependent I am on other people. I've been in a, a number of conversations this week with people on the opposite extremes. Uh, one is someone who just lost someone who is very close to them. And to have lost a loved one right now has all of the feelings of sadness and grief. But right now it has also can you, the questions of can you even have a funeral? Can you gather together and mourn someone together. On the opposite extreme are couples who have canceled their weddings and uh, what was supposed to be a joyous celebration in front of hundreds of family and friends uh, is now something that they're unable to do or certainly not able to do in traditional ways. 
The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And so much of life can't be lived without other people, uh, the highs and the lows, and also everything in between. And now this is for the extroverts, uh, introverts, you guys maybe not apply to this as much. But every single day, I just realize how much I need to see other people, how much I need to be around other people to truly feel uh, alive. So let this be a good reminder to us how dependent we are. And as a result of this, here's what I want you guys to do with that. I want you to reach out to people. Don't wait for someone to hit you up. Uh, don't wait for um, your friend to invite you out. Invite yourself out. Invite your, uh, hit someone up, tell them that you're feeling lonely, tell them that you're in need. Don't wait for someone else to hit, uh, for someone else to reach out to you. You reach out to them. To acknowledge your dependence on people means that you would take some steps also to reach out. And this last thing that I, I really learned in the last couple of days is that we are terrible predictors of the future. If you'd have asked me last year, what would I be doing right now? What would, what would we be doing as a church and as a society in New York City in 2020, in March, this is the last thing I would have told you we were doing. I would have never in a million years been able to dream up that we would be under quarantine. Uh, this couple of days ago, I went to the playground, I went for a walk by myself, and it was like a scene out of I Am Legend where he was just like by himself. And I was like, yo, I actually think that I am the only person on the planet. And I got to, I walked a couple steps and saw some other people and I was so relieved. But I would have never thought this. Now, in scripture, over and over again, it tells us that we don't know what's going to happen. Proverbs 21 and 7 says it like this. Uh, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Now, here's what this is teaching me. I'm learning that instead of trying to predict my future, that I... I now approach it with a curiosity and say, God, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you up to in this time? So instead of trying to say, well, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen, now I know that I can't predict the future. So I humbly say, God, I know I don't know what's going to happen, but now I'm just curious about what God might be doing. Um, and for those of you who need a little bit more certainty than that, I want to recommend two things. Number one, uh, it's a quote from a woman named Corey Ten Boom, and she was a part of a church uh, during the Holocaust that helped hide and uh, helped uh, Jews escape from Nazi persecution. And she says this, she says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So if you're struggling with what is God, uh, what's gonna happen, listen, never be afraid to trust an unknown future financially, physically, uh, relationally, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The second tool is to replace what if with even if. What if is scary. What if is, man, what if this happens? And then, then I lose my job. And what if this happens? What if that happens? What if takes you down a really bad path? And trust me, I've been there before. And I got the, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Even if changes it completely. Even if means, even if I lose my job. Even if someone gets, someone gets sick, even if we stay on isolation for eight weeks, I'm going to trust that God is sovereign. That means he's in control and that God is good and that he's with me and he's promised to never leave me or to never forsake me. And that even in ways that I can't feel that everything that's happening is working for my good and his glory. Changing it from what if to even if is a much different circumstance. 
And when we ask ourselves that question, even if it happens, in light of Jesus and the gospel, it gives us the courage to go through periods where we don't know what's going to happen in front of us. For me, I was asking that question, Lord, even if we lose all of the ways that we used to operate, I'm going to trust that you are the same one that went to the cross for my sins, not because of how good I am, but because of how good you are. And if you did that for me, you'll do everything else I need. So I'm going to keep my, my eyes locked on you, not anyone else. Now, this week, here's what I want you doing in your community groups and in your conversations with friends. I want you praying. I want you thinking, what is the Lord teaching me? Right now, in this present moment, what is God teaching me? How is God meeting me? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, you know exactly where we are. And God, you want to be with us. You want to meet us. And I pray that you would meet people in these next couple of days and weeks and in, that we would encounter you in fresh ways, that this would be a springboard for our relationship with you, that we would look back and, and say, if it had not been for the coronavirus, then these things wouldn't have happened in my life. Good things. So God, we're curious about what you're up to. We know that you're with people. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so that's what the Lord has been teaching me the last couple of days. But what about you guys? Uh, what's God been teaching you? What scriptures have just been speaking to you the last couple of days? I want you sharing that in your community groups, with friends, uh, other people you're connected to, uh, that maybe this time really is opportunity for us to hear from God in ways that we weren't before. So what's the big announcement? So we've known for the last couple of days and weeks that there were a lot of people negatively impacted financially and in other ways by the coronavirus pandemic. And our leaders met to pray a couple of weeks ago and to think about how could we meet needs? How can we be helpful? How could we be the body of Christ in a time like this? So we've created a, a form on our website on renaissancenyc.com where people can request help, either that's um, uh, for prayer, that's to meet with the pastor, or if it's financially to help with expenses or groceries or in another way. So this weekend we are launching our We Spread Love campaign where we want to be a blessing to people financially and in other ways. And we are giving away our entire offering. 100% of it is going directly out the door. It's just going to be cash in hand to people who need it. Uh, I think 20% of, of people are, have been negatively financially impacted, uh, particularly hourly wage workers and people who work in businesses that are closed down due to the pandemic. So if that's you, I want you to go on our website our homepage, renaissancenyc.com, and it just says request help, and you can get help there and fill it out, and someone will be in touch with you. Um, it's also on our coronavirus page, uh, and there's no shame in this. Listen, the times are hard. We want to be a part of, uh, we want to be a blessing to you. Now, if you go to Renaissance, this is absolutely for you, and let's just say you have friends who don't go to Renaissance, and you also know that they may have lost their job or they've been negatively affected. We want to bless them too. We believe that God God's love is, 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 is so vast and so expansive, we don't wanna cut it off. So we wanna bless people who live in Harlem, who don't even go to our, our church. And here's what I need you guys to do. Uh, so we, we're hoping to raise $50,000 to give away. And if you wanna be a part of that giving, and again, 100% of it is going away this week. So everything given from today through March 29th, it's all going out the door. Uh, if you wanna be a part of that, the, the best way to do it is to go on our website uh, renaissancenyc.com backslash, uh, backslash give 
and given everything. You don't have to go to a special page to give. Everything given on our regular page goes out the door. Now, another group of people that we wanna bless, in addition to people in our community and people in our Harlem community, are uh, survivors of sexual trafficking that uh, are part of an organization that we partner with called Restore. These are women who are uh, immigrant women who have been sex trafficked and Restore has gotten them jobs. And now due to the uh, pandemic, uh, many of them have lost their jobs and are in really tough financial situations and we wanna bless them as well. So what I want you to do, as soon as we're done and Lester gives his amazing benediction, uh, I want you to go to our website and if you're financially stable, I want you to give. And I want you to also consider giving a recurring gift because this is the way that we're able to survive and to thrive and to be generous. And if you wanna give a one-time gift, that's amazing as well. We're so grateful for your gratitude and I hope you guys will join me in this campaign. Let's spread love.